Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is truly a fantastic day. Now I say that with every single interview, but this is fantastic on steroids, fantastic to the, to the power of something, because I have got Ben Warren on the show. Ben and I, our paths we crossed maybe 10 years ago when I was still doing pain medicine. And uh, I, I came across a patient who I wanted to recommend my usual, well, try some vitamin B vitamins and try some vitamin C and try this and try that because I knew these things would be good for my pain patients. And she said, yeah, that's a good list you've got there. But look, I take this one this one thing. It's called Be Pure. I've never heard about it. Can I have a look? And so I looked at it and I thought, hang on. There was absolutely everything that I ever wanted for a pain patient was in one preparation. And I thought, what the hell? And she said, yeah, there's this guy in, in Hastings. And, and, and yeah, so I really have got good experiences. You should check him out. Well, guess what I did? I checked him out. Now, that was the start of the journey where I got so honored down the road because I did not only check him out as a colleague, so to speak, but also down the line, I explored the influence of good nutrition and of the right supplements uh, in my own life. And we will talk about that during this show. And it is, it is mind-blowing, utterly mind-blowing. So with this not-so-brief introduction, Ben, I'm so grateful that you are on my show because I want to ask you so many questions and share so much of my enthusiasm with regards to you as a person and you as the, as the moving power that wants to bring nutrition to New Zealand. Thanks, Stefan. Thank you. Thanks for those very <laughs> kind words. And um, yeah, it's an absolute honor to be on your show. I, um, like, like, like I said to you before the show, for, for those of you who don't know Stefan, he, he's got just the biggest heart you'll ever meet. And, and, uh, and, and so to, to be on your show is just an absolute honor. So yeah, I'm looking forward to bringing some value to your audience, <laughs> to helping them hmm. on this journey we call life. So right. yeah. Oh, Ben, and it is, it's amazing. So uh, for those of you who are outside of New Zealand, you poor guys. Um, so <laughs> if you were here, you would very well have come across Ben because Ben has been traveling around New Zealand and has given lectures and has given motivational speeches uh, in which he shared insights on nutrition. So he is actually a bit of a household name here in New Zealand and quite rightly so. And for me today, the goal is that we not just talk in general about nutrition, but I'm really interested in all the, the mental health issues that plague our society in increasing numbers. I mean, the figures are, are crazy out there. One in yeah. uh, five people are, are, do, are now labeled with anxiety disorder, especially younger women, mm -hmm. teenagers. And when you look out there with regards to depression, well, 
the lifetime prevalence is one in three thereabouts. Stresses are getting worse and worse. And right now we are in the middle of this mess called COVID and a pandemic. So there are many, many reasons why our lives are getting more stressful. Put that all together. God, we're on a, on a roller coaster that unfortunately seems to go down, 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 down. And you just wait to, to reach the bottom of the cliff. So we need to talk nutrition because that mm -hmm. is such a huge influence. Um, and it is. To, let's go a bit back in time, though. I mean, right now, you know so much in, on nutrition, but that was not always the case. When, when did you no. start getting, getting introduced to nutrition? When did you start getting excited yeah. and, and, and wanted to know more? Okay, so yeah, I've never always been interested in nutrition. Originally, I um, I was a very good golfer, originally from North London, got a golf scholarship to South Carolina University. Natural progression was to be a pro golfer. And uh, basically, after, after I uh, graduated, uh, I met my wife, who's a Kiwi. I like to joke that I'm a, I'm a souvenir from her OE. Um, that she brought me back to New Zealand. Very grateful to be here, obviously, beautiful country here. And, uh, but my, I started getting into serious back issues, so I became a professional golf coach. And as, as a professional golf coach, I was on a course learning about optimal joint mechanics, biomechanics for the golf swing. And uh, it was about the third or fourth day of this course, and the lady just looked at me and she said, Ben, I hope you don't mind me saying this, I can see you've got a bad back. And I was like, oh, yeah, how do you know that? And she's like, I can see you've got a twist in your pelvis, scoliosis in your spine, you've got one shoulder higher than the other. And uh, when you're swinging the golf club just then, this transverse abdominal muscle, really important muscle, is not firing at all. Um, your back's probably trash. And I'm like, and I actually knew all that. I was working with Exel Back's physio and the chiropractor, osteopath. And then she said something that changed my life. She said, it looks like it's driven by a food intolerance. Looks like it's dairy. And, and I was like, what? How, how could a food intolerance give me a bad back? And she was like, well, you got shared innervations from your organs, from your spinal segments. And so once you start getting pain signaling on organs, you'll start shutting down these muscles. And she's like, I'm just guessing it's dairy because you don't breathe very well through your nose and your head's kind of migrated forward to breathe through your mouth. And she's like, that's very common in, in, in dairy intolerance. I was like, wow. And I'm like, well, surely there must be a test that I could take. She goes, yeah, you need to do an IgG, IgA, ELISA blood test to see if your body's building immune molecules to the food you're eating. So I'm like, okay, great. How can I get one of them? So we organized one of those. And a number of weeks later, it came back that I had a very severe immune response to dairy. And so I cut out dairy and my back didn't get better straight away. But what happened is my asthma that I'd had since I was maybe like seven, six, seven years old, mysteriously disappeared within two weeks. And I was like, this is crazy. I was like, I, I thought I was an educated person. Um, I, I knew a little about nutrition for performance as, a, as an athlete. And, and I was like, how did I not know that the food I was eating was so dramatically impacting my, how I felt, my experience of life? And, um, and then I thought, how does everyone not know this? It's, it's like, surely everyone should know this, right? And so um, in that moment, it turned off me wanting to be a pro golfer and turned on the insatiable desire to learn about the human body and, and, and improve people's experience of life. So I went and retrained through one of the top health and performance institutes in the world in California, ended up getting a master's degree in holistic nutrition. I've uh, been in clinical practice now sort of 16 years, founded a, uh, founded a supplement company along the way. Um, and uh, currently at the moment, I'm sort of four years into a PhD looking at mental health and nutrition, looking at anxiety through Canterbury University. And um, yeah, the story kind of continues. So for me, I've just 
been you know been really really into how food can impact how we feel it might sound strange for you guys out there. Um, having said that, about five years ago, as I indicated, I, I put my money where my mouth is because I was constantly tired and uh, didn't really feel right. And I thought, stuff it. So I got in touch with Ben and, and he allocated me a, a case manager who um, was the right woman because she didn't she didn't uh, tolerate bullshit. Uh, so she was just right to get me sorted. Um, and we did all kind of uh, testing, as as you indicated, dear. And blimey, uh, turns out I was allergic to a good German breakfast, um, from the dairy to the gluten to all these kind of things. And I thought, oh, I don't want to repeat what I thought, but it was, uh, yeah. But I was actually at a point where I thought, come on, wrong, or heading towards the fifties, and feeling the way I was, nah, there must be more. Okay, two, three months of an awful diet of having steaks and lots of greens for breakfast. I got used to that, actually. <laughs> so that was quite nice. Lots of greens, uh, but also just nice. some yummy, yummy other things. Blimey, you were saying about your asthma. For me, my hay fever. Bye-bye hay fever. Number one, my I had... I had sort of a bit of a, of a dodgy shoulder. I had a nasty achillotendinitis. So nasty, nasty stuff was happening to me. And, you know, within two, three months, all gone. Shoulder pain gone from 1,000, 2,000 steps I had per day. And they were in agony. I went up to 10,000, walking like a hopping along. <laughs> it was crazy because for a year and a half, I, I've, every step hurt me. And that was after two months of, of uh, taking out certain things out of the food. And you just think, you're kidding me. You're absolutely kidding me. So therefore, this was an, at the start of my journey. So very similar, very, very similar. And I think the reality is, if you could just do more of that with many people out there, I just so wonder where chronic pain would go. Uh, for many patients, how their yeah. how performance would go, mood and mood disorders would go, all that. But let's, I mean, you, you were saying you, you have been um, there and you, what you gave us were a bit sort of the coat hangers of time, in, I guess. But in between there, I have seen you with your passion and you were out there. For example, I take one little thing out, one little pet project. You know, what do you want to do? Oh, why don't we let New Zealand lose one million kilogram? And when I heard that first, I thought, what? <laughs> and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So tell us a bit more of what was going on uh, with that, with that project, yeah. with that thought. Yeah, so for, for me at the time, I was really trying to, you know, a lot of people needed to lose weight, wanted to lose weight. And for me, I've always wanted to have people lose weight by being healthier. And so sort of having a, you know, really trying to influence 100 people to be, uh, sorry, a, a, a million people to be healthier was, um, yeah, my driver. And that, that you know, drove me for a long time. And this ended up 
uh, you know, I've spoken to over 70,000 people in person um, throughout New Zealand. And we've actually just, as a company, we've just set our sort of big, hairy, audacious 10-year goal, which is um, to have a, a billion wellness days. So as a company, over the next 10 years, we want to create a billion wellness days. And so we've got a whole bunch of different uh, parameters to measure what is a wellness day. And uh, so hopefully, yeah, we can continue to, to help people, I suppose. Uh, no doubt you will. Uh, and when you say wellness day, what do you, how would you define that? Yeah, so wellness days, I mean, we've got a, a number of ways to help people, with whether, you know, whether somebody's doing, say, a, a detox program, which is 14 days. So if they do a detox program, that's 14 wellness days. If they do a, for every day that they're on a clinical program, right. then that's a wellness day. For every day that they're taking um, some supporting nutritional supplements, then that's a wellness day. So yeah, we've actually then got, um, a way of kind of measuring because we never was able to measure measure uh, you know a, a million people or you know a million kilos. Um, it was kind of like just a uh, an intangible goal that I had to, to, that motivated me. Uh, whereas now you know with technology we've got the capacity to measure this, so it's kind of like a fun game to play. Mm -hmm. Having said that, it is hard to to measure outcomes when it comes to well being. Uh, it is easy to measure deaths. It's easy to measure, I don't know, um, bone scans or stuff like that. Mm. Other uh, outcome data that is much easier to put your fingers on. But when you say, well, so how true. happy is a person? How functional is a person? How much energy yeah. has this person got to get on with their life and therefore live a more fulfilled life? I find that so hard and yeah, tricky one, isn't it? It, it? it really is. And the interesting thing for me as a clinician is that we, um, life is relative. So we very much get used to whatever level we're playing at. So, you know, after a couple of months of feeling great, you get used to feeling great and that becomes the new normal and you almost forget that you, that you used to feel like crap. And that, and this is why it's useful sometimes to, the, um, you know, to eat the wrong foods um, because it reminds you how bad you can feel. And that, that actually is then very motivating to continue eating the right foods. So, um, yeah, but it, it is difficult because it's, uh, you know, the experience of life is relative. Um, yeah. And so it's relative to how we felt before. And, uh, and, and so, but it's, it's often, we've got a short memory for things. Oh, so true. Let's, let's figure out why do we feel better? I mean, it's, for example, we, we touched upon one problem, and that is that our body doesn't really like the stuff that we are eating. And it's not that it doesn't like food. On the contrary, it loves food. It knows without food it will die. But obviously, at some stage, somewhere, our body has learned that for this particular body here, gluten, sorry, no go. Uh, how does that come actually? I mean, was yeah. I born was I born with that, or what happened? There could be some genetic. Absolutely, there can be genetic so uh, aspects. So immunity can be passed on genetically. So whatever you know, uh, particularly from the mother immune system, it's passed on through through um, short-term peptides in mother's milk as well. But but for a lot of our immune systems, always learning, and and so at the end of the day, our immune systems just particularly when, whenever we eat any food, our immune system's looking at the foods we're eating, kind of going, is, is that, particularly the proteins, is that protein food or is that protein a virus or a bacteria? And viruses and bacteria are just proteins too. Uh, and so if, if, if our body over time starts seeing this protein 
continuously, it starts sort of looking at it kind of a little sideways, kind of going, well, and it can even tag it then, that's the technical term, tag it as an invader, and we start then getting an immune response to that food. And it's it's very common uh, with gluten um, that, that, that our immune systems are, are tagging it as an invader, and there's a lot of reasons for that. We don't know exactly the reason. Maybe it's we're eating so much gluten in the modern world. It may be the hybridization of grains that they now have a lot of gluten and also have a lot of uh, lectins in them. It could be the sprays that are used in the production of wheat. Um, and so there's a number of factors potentially that could be why our immune system no longer likes it. But it's, uh, yeah, research shows that it's, it is actually inflammatory for everybody, not just celiacs. So we know that celiacs have a very strong um, immune response to gluten um, and IgE allergic response. But um, yes, but research shows that, that actually all of us do to some degree. Uh, and so for me, you know, if anyone's got any aches and pains, um, then, you know, eliminating gluten may be a, a good first step. And, and obviously, when you start then looking at mood disorders like, like depression, you know, depression these days is very much almost classed as an inflammatory disease in the same way that arthritis is classed as an inflammatory disease. So we know that this relationship between inflammation and, and how we feel is very, very strong. So true, and we'll come to that in a second. But let's go back to to the to the allergies, so to speak. Uh, I think it is mm -hmm. it is important to realize when you normally talk about allergies. So you guys out there, when you say, "Well, I'm allergic to penicillin," well, that normally means that yeah. you're nearly dying, or you have a severe rash, or your mouth swells up, yeah. or something nasty like that. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. we're yeah. talking about food allergies. Often enough, they are not in your face like that. They might actually mm. be what we call subclinical. You actually can't really yeah. put your finger on it uh, unless you do some clever blood tests to actually see what yeah. the antibody levels are. So that's number one. Yeah. Or uh, practically spoken, just take things out of your nutrition, do exclusion diets where for a month you don't have gluten in there and then see what actually happens to you. And that's exactly yeah. what, what I essentially did. So I did the blood test first because I'm a skeptic and I didn't believe that <laughs> there could be anything wrong with me for crying out loud. And then, then I had it black and, black and white. And you just think, oh God, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. then I, I thought, oh, come on. It's not so the way it comes. You get sort of columns and sort of on the one side is nothing. And then the more of the column is sort of colored in, uh, the the worse it is. And so when I looked at eggs and dairy, I was sort of at six or so. And I thought, see, I'm not 10. Therefore, I can still eat it. <laughs> All that rubbish. So my, Because my brain loves a German breakfast. Come on, guys. Come on. I'm German at heart. <laughs> it is tough. <laughs> it is tough. And then, but uh, luckily, I followed uh, the guidance that I was given. And suddenly, there I was. So much improved. Mm. So, so we figured out, okay, so you can be allergic to certain components of the food. What actually then happens, so whilst we not immediately die, what, we, what happens is a, a degree of inflammation. And this inflammation yeah. is triggered by this kind of foreign thing, the gluten yeah. or the dairy, etc. But then inflammation doesn't just stop there. 
It's basically That's like right. an acidic kind of soup that rushes through our blood vessels and affects every single organ and every single single muscle, tendon, joint, blood vessels themselves, uh, the organs, of course. And they can do various yeah. things there. And that's where you suddenly end up feeling crap because you've got that on the constant level of inflammation there. So that's certainly yes. one aspect of, uh, of our, our journey when it comes to nutrition. So that we might actually literally have grown to not like something. But there are many other yeah. things, many other ways out there. It's not just that. What else can sort of go wrong? Why else uh, can we feel crap with our yeah. current nutrition? What are other reasons? Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot. So certainly, you know, eating these inflammatory foods and I'll just, um, you know, and, and part of the reason there's different immune responses like like we were talking about. So an IgE immune response is a true allergy. So I guess, you know, for your listeners, what some of these others we're talking about are maybe perhaps sensitivities or intolerances. So there are different IgG or IgA immune responses. They're kind of like lower level with immune responses, but it still triggers this inflammatory um, response that you're talking about, Stefan, absolutely. So other things, you know, I think one of the key things you talk about this inflammation and how it perpetuates or continues. And so this is where omega-3 fatty acids are so incredible. So omega-3 fatty acids, they help resolve or mediate or turn off the immune response. So because, you know, we, we want to fight off an invader, but then it's very important that our immune response then gets resolved or turned off because we don't want it ongoing because that's when we start running into, you know, more chronic issues. And so omega-3 fatty acids really help turn off this inflammatory response. And so much so that, um, you know, they're actually been um they've actually been classed as a treatment for depression because their role as an anti-inflammatory but you have to take quite a lot one to three grams of active ingredient epa dha mm. um but but they very much help resolve inflammation turn it off and so making sure we're eating enough kind of oily fish you know taking a high quality fish oil supplement your salmon your sardines leafy greens are another good source um you know nuts can be a good source as well seeds um and then you're minimizing omega-6 fatty acids omega-6 fatty acids are are pro-inflammatory so they drive this inflammatory cycle and again in the modern world we're eating a lot of foods that are that have a lot of omega-6 fatty acids they come from sort of grains predominantly uh, and not enough omega-3s so we, we we're getting an imbalance in the these very very important essential fatty acids and this imbalance also continues to drive this inflammatory picture so mm. yes yeah, certainly another thing for people to be aware of Absolutely, absolutely. The omega-6, do they actually have any role, any positive role at all in the system? Yeah, Just yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, they are pro-inflammatory, which is very important if you're, if, if, you know, you're fighting a bacterial infection. <laughs> you, you want inflammation, Correct. right, to, to Correct. keep you alive, yeah, to, to beat it. And so... Uh, but what then happens is so it's just really that balancing act. And, and our body, our bodies can convert omega-3s to omega-6 if we need it. So as long as you've got plenty of omega-3s, if you then are fighting an infection, your yeah. body can convert those omega-3s to omega-6. Um, uh, and, and that, and that is, you know, to help protect us. But unfortunately, we don't want to then stay in that state like you pointed to, you know, like most of us, we're getting stuck in that state of, of pro-inflammation. And most of us don't, yeah, we don't want to be in that state for long. But I think that's uh, that's where we are 
where we need to recognize that there is a reason why our body has all these substances and that many of our our uh, well-being is all dependent upon balances within certain mm. substances so please guys don't go out there try to figure out every single food that has an omega-6 in there and say from now on that's it no more omega-6 yeah. whatsoever i don't think that will <laughs> end up so well no, um no. so exactly yeah. so guys uh just a bit of of uh, we need to use common sense here but we need to understand why things are happening so we've got the inflammation yeah, yeah. that that comes and then i like the idea of switching things off the inflammation and the, the bad things yeah and for me I, I, like it's nutrition's a paradox Stefan, is that um it's incredibly simple, which is eat whole natural foods as fresh as possible. Okay, so eat whole. That, that's nutrition, really. It's it's that simple, uh, you know. So if, if any of you, you you know your your audience are like I don't know what to eat, eat whole natural foods. Okay, and then it's a paradox in that it's then incredibly complex when you start looking at specific molecules mm. and the actions within our bodies. Um, it gets complex, but really on a basic level, it's eat, eat whole natural foods for most of us going to go pretty good on that the problem of course is um there is a film that typically highlights our endeavors to eat healthy and that's the bridget jones diary that was a film from the 80s 90s and yeah, i'm because, familiar with it I... that's right so you basically wake up in the morning and it's absolutely i will eat very healthy so you have a salad and then lunchtime you say oh let's have some salad maybe with some salmon and then in the evening, you have got the five kilogram pot of ice cream and the pizza and the wine, yeah. etc. So I think whilst most of us know actually what we should eat, I think it's the reality that bites us, isn't it? So Absolutely. Why, so, so why do I get the craving for ice cream in the evening when at lunchtime I was hell-bent to have that salad and that chicken breast. So why do people uh, end up with, with, why does our body want that virtually religious, like, like something I have to have? Yeah, that's a great, great question, Stefan. And then there's a number of layers to the answer, okay? So I'll see if I can layer it up. Um, first and foremost, we are hardwired to hunt and destroy fat, sugar, and salt. And, and so very, very important for survival, fat for calories. Sugar is invariably found with uh, nutrients, so um, like so, i.e. fruit. Uh, it's also you know, a good source of energy, carbohydrates, uh, and, and salt, a uh, very important electrolyte. And so we're, we're hardwired to hunt and destroy these things, um, evolutionary speaking. We know that... Um, you know, when we eat these foods, it triggers the release of dopamine, which is very much a reward, feel-good neurotransmitter within our brain, okay? So just on its own, you start looking at those things alone, hardwired to, just, to, to go after them, and it releases dopamine. You know, that in itself is a good reason to eat a tub of ice cream. Um, not saying... <laughs> Not saying that we should, but you know, there's some strong physiological drivers that are that are driving us there. Um, and so, at the end of the day, um, cravings are or, or hunger is our bodies ask, asking for nutrition. 
Uh, and so you know, that, that's essentially what our body is asking. Uh, the trouble is we go looking for these nutrients in modern day food. So for example, like with a bag of potato chips, you know, our bodies, if we're craving salt, our body's really wanting protein. But so we, we, we go eat a bag of potato chips and we go looking for the protein in the bottom of the bag um, and, and we don't find it. And so, and so, you know, if you can start understanding some of these mechanisms, understanding you know some of these things around what your body's actually looking for, you can actually give it what it needs. Often, I think people don't eat enough calories during the day, and our body's got a set level every day. It's kind of like got a set level based on your weight of how many calories your body thinks it needs to maintain its weight. Even if you're overweight, it'll still want to maintain that overweight state, and so. You know, if you haven't eaten enough calories during the day, it's going to be making you have cravings at night so that you hit that calorie number. And so one of the ways to get around that is to make sure you eat enough calories during the day. But again, those 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 beneficial calories, those nutritious calories, so that we're giving the nutrients our bodies needs. And then there's the emotional aspects of eating. You know, we are heavily attached to uh, emotionally to eating. You know, like I'll ask you, what what happens if you don't eat for a while? let's say like six months. You would be really in trouble. You would lose. You'd be in trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> you would yeah. lose. You yeah. would lose. Well, let's let's be a bit clear. The, the, the question is a bit tricky because um, uh, certain things we do need, and without them, we yeah. really are knee deep in trouble. Like the vitamins. But if you less, yeah, yeah. If let's you say if to, you had nothing for six months, yeah. you, you may be going to die, right? Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and so. Uh, so I don't know about you, but I'm very emotionally attached to living. Um, and so, <laughs> Right. Yeah, there is that. I give you that. <laughs> <laughs> so on a very fundamental level, we're all emotionally attached to food um, on a very fundamental level. Uh, and so oh, yeah. then there's de degrees of emotional attachments to food. Mm. And, and so, you know, there, there's foods, you know, we know that they release dopamine, they make us feel good, they reward us. And so, you know, we go to those foods um, and you know, it, it, obviously, it's, it can then become another form of addiction. Absolutely. Um, and, and so, yeah. And so, this kind of you, you then start going into this this realm of um, where where the physical meets the emotional, which we know it's not two realms. It's it's interwoven world of of us as a human being. And if you guys listening, sort of. To to this talk as one of the first talks that in my series here in my show, we talk quite a lot about the dopamine because it's this good feel or feel good uh, hormone. Mm -hmm. And we as, as addicts, as alcoholics, we have got a super response. We are super responders with dopamine. So give me yeah. a drink and my dopamine levels in my brain go far higher. You're going to be than, feeling good. Oh, hell yeah. And, um, and it's the same, unfortunately, with also some of us when it comes to certain foods. And Absolutely. it is, we can literally become addicted to these foods and we get the same dopamine yeah. response, the same feel good. And, and then you think, okay, it's a dreary day and, and, uh, and you've had stress and work was not nice. And now you have to go <laughs> exactly. home to the kids and, oh, uh, you know, it's going to be mayhem. Give me the Tim Tum. Give me the, the bag of chips. <laughs> Give me whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah. full of sugar and full of salt. So what happens? The sugar comes 
like a like a like a Polaris missile out of the sea. Doof, your blood sugar goes up there, and you suddenly think, "Whoa, where is this high coming from?" And your brain loves it, loves it. And then the salt does its own thing, and you feel good. You feel good. So no surprise, there you are. You've got the dopamine response, you've got the blood sugar, you've got the energy. What could possibly be wrong with that? Yeah, for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then you crash. <laughs> and then you crash, exactly. Because guys, uh, oh, you explain it. You're the expert. Why do I do all the talking? What happens after a Tim Tam 20 minutes later? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So your blood sugar level is going to peak. You're going to get an insulin response. Um, insulin's a you know a, a hormone that that really protects your blood sugar level. So what will happen is that all that energy, if you're not exercising, will get driven into your fat cells. So that's that's your primary mechanism mechanism to get store fat from from food and and at that point your blood sugar levels are crashing and you're gonna want another tim tam <laughs> and that's that's the roller coaster and so for me um like for me it's looking at um how do you how do you get that dopamine response in a an appropriate way how do you get the dopamine response in a way that that um, work that works for you and works for you in your life and moves you towards your goals and the things that you want in your life. And so, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not against, um, you know, I, I eat the wrong food sometimes for sure. And sometimes I, you know, sometimes like you say, um, you, you know, emotionally you want to feel like shit. So I'll eat foods to make myself feel like shit because I want to feel like that emotionally. Uh, and, and there's, I think that's part of being human. Um, but it's the more you can understand these things um, and and understand some of the needs behind that are perhaps driving these things, um, then the easier it is to not have to rely on those things, not 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 rely on the foods, perhaps. So that's my two cents worth. So very true. And and let me give you my sense from an alcoholic's point of view. I know that I can set myself up to feel craving for alcohol. The only thing, four things I need to do. I need to be hungry, not look after my nutrition, thirsty, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If I create these four things in my life, I'm gagging for a drink. It's virtually, oh, where's the next, where could I go in order to get that drink? And my mind is already planning to buy the alcohol, hide the alcohol, drink the alcohol, hide that I'm drinking the alcohol, get drunk and hide that I'm drunk. We have talked about it in other in other sessions. But that is wow. the emotional, the emotional setup for me to get cravings. Now, yeah, that is alcohol, and that is my particular poison. But we we already alluded to the fact that actually, when it comes to food, certain foods and and certain people can actually be very addicted to food. Mm-hmm. So food yeah. can become as addictive as my alcohol, as cocaine, as sex, as gambling, etc. So Absolutely. it is just another yeah. another form of addiction yet because the underlying problems that we that we have the emotional trauma the all the other things that are underlying there are not looked after so there yeah. we are so that the food can give us a fix but yeah hmm. 
I think that's spot on, Stefan. Like for me, um, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been lucky. I've never, you know, alcohol's never been my thing. Um, but, you know, I, I probably have for, for most of my adult life exhibited the, the most, probably the most socially acceptable addiction there is, which is being a workaholic. Um, and, and so it, for, for, for me, that is the most socially acceptable. People think, oh, you're just really successful. They don't realize that, no, you, you can't. You have no choice over working that hard. It's it's like you have to do that in order to get the dopamine response. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I spent many years kind of unpacking my own um, work habits and and inability to turn off. Um, and 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 uh, I think what you're pointing to is that these these unmet needs and these things. Um, like, and I'm sure you've spoken about it in, in other episodes, you know, when you start looking at, you know, childhood trauma and things like that, that are often, for me, were, dri- were, were driving um, you know, my, my addiction as an adult. So true, so true. And, uh, but it is, it's intriguing because here we are talking about food as something that is, on the one hand, a very, very basic need for us. Without it, mm. we die. Yet yeah. it has so many connotations, so many, so many ways that it that it feeds into our life, and it is it is a very very intricate kind of mess, so to speak, between what drives us to eat and then what the food mm. does to our drivers and to our emotions. Yeah. So that's <clears throat> that's really quite important to to realize. Yeah, it's very bi-directional. I think is is, right. is the key. It's it's, bi, it's bi-directional. Like emotionally, can drive how you eat, and then mm. what you're eating can very much drive your emotional responses. And so the research is really clear on that. That mm-hmm. that um, the the better we eat, the better we feel. Very very clear. Um, mm. And 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 I'll you know like we we've all experienced that. I think too that you know I know you've had a period of time where you've eaten really well. How did you feel from eating really well? Very good. Very good. Yeah. Slim, and then, and then we not probably, bloated, not nothing. I yeah. felt good. Yeah. And then we've all had days where we haven't eaten very well, right? We've all had days where we've eaten like crap. You know, how, do, how do you feel at the end of that day? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Yeah, and so and so, you know, we've that's exactly what the research shows is yeah. is that um, it, it is it is bi-directional um, to to agree with a lot of these things, and it's it's the same deal with mm-hmm. you know sleep, I mean, lifestyle habits, sleep and mental health, bi-directional, um, and, and so yeah, actually um, mental health and alcohol. So when we look at anxiety and depression and alcohol, bi-directional. So the more alcohol we drink, the more depressed and anxious we feel. Uh, the more depressed and anxious we feel the more alcohol we drink Hmm. and so you know they both drive in they both drive into each other and so for me nutrition is one of the tools we can have in our tool bag that's actually we've got to do it anyway we've got to eat anyway so it's one of the tools that if we if we could utilize that tool um most of the time i'm just 80 percent of the time 80 percent of the time try not to eat the tub of rice cream um you know 80 percent of the time doing the salads and things like that is is you know it's a tool that's going to dramatically impact um you know how we then think and feel uh, and um and so yeah it's, it's just one of the tools in the belt i think hmm. 
are there, whilst you say there are studies that have linked things together, people out there might have not, not you know, most people don't read nutritional studies kind of a thing. But you guys might recall that uh, Jamie Oliver uh, many years ago tried to change the school dinners in the UK. Now, that was quite an, an entertaining and intriguing thing to watch because one of the things that he did is he started with one school, changed the school dinners, and he worked with the, the kitchen staff, but he also talked to the teachers, talked to the school nurse, etc. And what happened is with just changing the nutrition at school, uh, suddenly the sick days or visits to the sick bay got dramatically improved, the asthma got dramatically improved, people needed far less ventolin inhalers, um, the, the people being sent off for naughty things got reduced, just the whole behavior was completely changing the moment you introduced even a, a partially better nutrition. And that was, that was, that was just mind-blowing that such a little thing could do such a difference. Yeah, yeah, So absolutely. And it's a shame. I mean, he, he tried hard, and then the whole thing got too political, the way I understood it, yeah. and it, it got blown out of the water. Uh, and that was a bit of a shame. And he tried then in the United oh, States, and yeah. that didn't go down well either, and God knows. It's so, difficult. You know, behavior change, right? We're talking about behavior change here. Hmm. You're, you know, you're a you know, super smart guy, you know, it was hard to change your behaviors regarding drinking, right? Oh, hell yes. So, you know, <laughs> behavior change is hard. Like with nutrition, nutrition is, it doesn't have to be complex. It can be very, very simple. Um, and yet, you know, most of what we do as, as nutritional consultants is, is helping shape behavioral change for people to actually eat those foods. Because if, if most people could just, you know, most people already know enough about nutrition that if they could just do what they know, they're probably going to be pretty good. Um, but, but the behavioral change aspect is difficult. And I think that's what Jamie ran into was, was obviously some politics, but then that, that behavioral change aspect is tri tricky. It is so true when it comes to, to our nutrition, the, the, the difference between what we want to do or what we think we want to do and what we're really doing. And, and it's the habits. And it's so hard mm. because we are not the only ones that are making our mind up. And guys, if that sounds a bit strange, um, don't just give me a second. Because there is so much social engineering going on as far as our food intake is concerned. When it comes to the drinking, we have got a huge trillion dollar industry that assures that however we try to fight alcohol, they come with new ways to make it sexy or good or acceptable whatsoever. Well, guess what happens in the food industry? And could you just imagine for a teensy-weensy bit that there is a lot of money to be made when you take really, really cheap crap ingredients, package them, paint them with some nice colors, make kids go really, oh, I want that little toy in there. And then actually, I don't know, it costs you maybe 10 cents to make and you sell it for $5. Could you imagine that that is quite nice for people to make money? 
Well, welcome to 80% of the supermarket nowadays. <laughs> and is my yeah. figure right? 80% or should it be 90%? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, you know, let's face it. Uh, you know, if we're talking about whole food diet, we're talking about eating on the outside of the supermarket pretty much. You know, don't get me wrong. And it's brown basmati rice and sardines and olives in the middle. But mm. you, uh, most of those middle aisles aren't really food. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of foods out there that aren't really food. We want to really just be eating natural whole foods, sticking to the outside as much as possible. Um, again, within, within reason. And, you know, again, I don't want to, um, wherever you're at, it's fine too. Um, uh, you know, I used to drink six liters of Coke as a golfer. So don't worry. I've got my history too. Um, and so wherever you're at, uh, and and just trying to do those small incremental steps, um, and and I think you pointed to habits, uh, and I think that's really important, Stefan, for people is to is is to get in get some healthy habits established around the food, what they're eating, what they're eating for lunch, what they're eating for breakfast, and um, and very quickly again, life's relative. We get used to eating that way, and we actually start enjoying those foods as well. And and children can too. Um, and so yeah. I invite people to have a play and see how they feel. And it's amazing because your tastes actually change. Nowadays, our my our our choices as a family are very different than they had been in the past. So nowadays, um, let's say I would like to have a or I would have a Tim Tam. I would have difficulties eating it because it's far too sweet mm. for me. It's far too in my yeah. face for it. Um, so it is quite amazing how your taste buds change and suddenly you get they used do. to something very, very different. And yeah, it's intriguing. And it, it doesn't take yeah. long. So and and I think again it's balance. I don't think that that one Tim Tam uh, per month will absolutely destroy your diet that's not what we're saying we are saying hey why don't you try um try something else maybe try some porridge or try some some there are some healthy things that actually probably fill you up far better and to who have maybe a fraction an absolute tiny fraction of the calories and maybe have some more vitamins So it's quite exactly. quite intriguing. Go out there and, and learn more about it. And we'll come back to you, Ben, uh, at the end of this this discussion because I want you to introduce the, the people uh, to to some of the the programs that are out there that you are supporting that you are offering because sure. they are they are absolutely important. But before go before we go to that, there is there are other things I want to explore. I would like to explore the mood and nutrition a little bit more and i would Mm -hmm. like to make a point that when we are thinking about nutrition and the human body then most of us are thinking of a a normal human body and nutrition okay i'll take that but most of us don't live normal lives for example with me over many years i've been drinking two bottles of wine Rest assured, wine and alcohol is a great solvent. It's it dissolves marriages, bank accounts, it dissolves absolutely everything, <laughs> but it also dissolves the gut lining. Okay, mm-hmm. so it does actually quite serious damage to yeah. my gut. So if you now accept that, then I'm actually talking about being actually sick 
deep on the inside where I can't see that. And a leaky yeah. gut, as it is also called, that means yeah. that now suddenly you don't have a, a nice separating line between the food and all kind of things where they're supposed to be and the bloodstream on this side. But you have actually holes where now everything that wants to can go through and suddenly your body is saying, what the hell? Where's all that trash coming from? And some of it is actually good stuff. It just needed to be a bit packaged inside of this lining and to go through. And some of it is not good stuff. And it still goes through and the body has to deal with it. So we are unfortunately not perfect human beings. We have not had balanced diets for a long time. Let's be clear about it, for mm. Christ's sake. If I was to yeah. do, if I was to spend a thousand bucks and do all kind of blood tests on you, you would be you would be pale in your face when I show you the results because there will be so many things that you are deficient. Uh, Absolutely. I think certainly as, a, as an alcoholic, I have to say that you guys, if you are drinking or have been drinking like me, you are malnutritioned. You are essentially, you, you are seriously in trouble just from a nutritional point of view, just because you have had so many not only bad and, and empty calories from the alcohol, but also the flow and effect on the gut and the, the direct counter effects. You can have your beautiful salad. If you wash it down with two bottles of, of Chardonnay, well, I'm so sorry. Your vitamin B is gone. The thiamine, one vitamin that we really, really, really need in our body for stress responses and, and a myriad of other things. Well, guess what the alcohol does? That's it. So we are often our behavioral choices will set our nutrition way back. But no one ever tells you about that. Okay, mm -hmm. so so here we are. We need to, to, to explore that a little bit more. Uh, I mean, do you see what are sort of the things that you have seen as maybe specifically alcohol related? I mean, you have had your your yeah. your interests in the nutrition for such a long time. Can we talk alcohol and nutrition for a bit? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you, you, well said, by the way. That's absolutely, you know, beautifully said. And and this this leaky gut, you know, like having alcohol on an empty stomach basically drives leaky gut fast faster than anything. So, you know, I've I've had people come in to me um, for gut issues, and and they weren't necessarily well drinking a huge amount. They were drinking enough perhaps you know maybe three one to three glasses of, of chardonnay a night and uh, sometimes more and and we, you know we had to get had to change their habits around their drinking in order to be able to heal their gut um because while they were still doing that we, were, we simply weren't able to while the damage was still going on we weren't able to resolve their gut issues and so um yeah there's a num you know Gut issues will then drive a number of uh, immune responses, inflammatory responses, which then affects our brain as well. And so some of the specific things um, around alcohol is they will deplete your body of key nutrients, like you like you mentioned, Stefan. And and to be honest with you, just, just trying to hit the minimums and get a, the minimums from your diet from in the modern-day world is nearly impossible. 
anyway, Isn't it? because of the yeah way, but because of modern farming techniques, because of modern food production, because yeah. of excess nitrogen use, because of the fact the food we're eating isn't necessarily fresh, even though it looks fresh in the supermarket. It was picked two weeks ago, and so it's not actually fresh. Um, and so for all those reasons, it's very difficult to, to get the, even the minimum RDA levels from from our diet. And then when you start putting increased loads on your body, like you're talking about, say with with alcohol, um, your nutrient requirement is going to be greatly increased. And so, you know, one you know, one of these big issues, and I'm sure you'd have seen it many many times in your in your profession, is you know, if fatty liver, is that we start getting a, a liver dysfunction. So it, you know, alcohol, the alcohol is so hard on the liver that you actually then start getting a liver dysfunction. You start laying down fat in the liver um, because of because of the load of, on on of the alcohol in, in your body trying to detoxify um, what is essentially a toxin. Um, and so, I mean, <laughs> and it's, 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 it's actually funny when you start going down that thought process, alcohol is a toxin because, you know, that's, that's what it is. Um, and, and it's, it's, you know, it, so, you know, essentially we're poisoning in ourselves. I mean, I poisoned myself a number of times at university that, you know, I was sick, um, with alcohol. Uh, and so, you know, that again, gives you a, a pretty good response of from a physiological level, how is it for our health that that it's um you know so i don't um so people ask me do i do i still drink i do still drink um there was actually you know many many years where i didn't even have a beer but these days i i still will have um some alcohol um in a beer or wine but for me it's more of a social aspect it's more of um yeah, just it, there's certain situations. I mean, I'm not a lot. I maybe have six beers a year, um, but but there's certain situations that call for a beer in in our society, and, and so um, and, and 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 I'm sure the audience probably go Ben. There's more than a certain. There's there's a lot more than a couple of situations that call for that. But but you mean apart from breakfast? You probably haven't eaten. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and so that's yeah and so um yeah i think it's it you know really problematic and so certainly rebuilding the gut supporting your liver function um from a number of pathways you know able to do that but just with base nutrition is 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 certainly going to be pos- very positive because once your liver starts getting loaded, um, you start putting fat in your liver, and your liver's really like the buffer for energy that you eat. So then you lose your buffer, which then means you start impacting your blood sugar levels dramatically, which then means you start putting on more, you know, belly fat for guys or fat in your hips and thighs for women, and so we start then storing our fat where we don't really want to store it, um, and and a lot of that's getting driven from this dysfunctional liver pattern. And it's actually quite easy to to overwhelm the liver in with our with this mixture of heavy loads of poison uh, alcohol mm. and malnutrition. Because uh, in its own right, if you don't have the, the right nutrients that the liver needs to Absolutely. work with or heal itself, then you're giving it a double whammy. And that's the same with the brain, and it's the same with many other organs. So it is what it is. So yeah, now that we've said. picked now that we've picked that apart, so we are often actually not talking about healthy bodies and nutrition. 
And I think that is really important because when, when you look at, um, at nut some nutritionists out there and you ask them, well, should people take a multivitamin or should they take any, any nutraceuticals? Then, oh my God, the gloves come off. What a heap of bullshit. If it is water soluble, you pee it out anyhow. If it is fat soluble, you can actually do harm. And anyhow, it's only expensive and it's only a money-making machine. Goodness gracious. So yeah. you already, guys, you have already listened in. If you're an alcoholic and you have been now for the last 10 years hitting the bottle heavy, do you truly think that free salad leaves will somehow rescue you? I don't think so. Okay, so you're going serious out. So two kilogram of salad of all colors, wonderful. So how many years do you think it will take you to replenish those things that you have neglected for 10 years? So, hmm. Okay, so we need to be quite honest here. So whilst there are certain facts that need to be admitted here, number one, nutraceutical industry is a, I don't know, billion, trillion dollar industry. That's true. Um, the other thing we need to, to admit is that it is a bit of a wild west out there because it's not well regulated. And there are many That's people true. out there who mix and match and then paint some nice pictures on the outside of some seaweed and some, some fishies swimming. And then they call that uh, omega-free fatty acids. And God knows what is in there. <laughs> Just a thought. Um, petrol, diesel kind of stuff. Um, so it is really, really hard. So not well regulated, but Wild West, you can make shitloads of money out of it. Great. You can already see where that is going. Plus, there is a bit of confusion out there. What is actually the right amount of substances? Some people say, um, oh, we don't need this much. And there is this thing called RDA. What's that? You tell me. Yeah. yeah RDA. Yes, RDA is... It's, it's a recommended daily allowance. And so, so how that gets said, it's basically the minimum we need not to get a disease deficiency. Yeah, so when you start looking at the RDA levels, let's take vitamin C, for example. So vitamin C, we know it's really important for your immune system. We also are you know, really important for wound healing and, and collagen production. And, and, and so the minimum is set at 65 milligrams. And so how they got to that is that between 45 and 50 milligrams, when you start getting under that, you start getting scurvy. Mm -hmm. So basically the RDA, RDA for vitamin C is set at, you know, what's the minimum you need not to get scurvy. And so for me, I'm not really interested in minimums. We're looking at ideally optimal. Um, okay. I'm not interested in living a minimum life. Like what's the minimum amount of energy I need to, to get through the day? What's the minimum amount of sleep that, that I need? Um, what's the minimum amount of exercise? Like, like I'm not really, I'm living at how can I live my best um, in life and get, you know, enjoy life the most. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's going to be ups and downs, that's life. But, you know, how do I give myself the best chance of, of feeling my best, right? And so that's kind of like, we want to be looking at this, this, this optimal levels, um, rather than the RDA. All right. 
Absolutely. And that then when you come to optimum levels, these are actually not so well defined. And they will also depend yeah. on, on the human, on the balance of things within you, on hormonal levels, on other Absolutely. factors. It's multifactorial. So therefore, if you listen to people out there and just parrot their their opinion, oh, no, no, it's just a waste of your money and things like that. Rest assured, if you have liked more than a glass a week of alcohol, you stop listening to these people because you are seriously deep in trouble. Okay, and there are many other yeah. other things that can send you onto the same route to to the abyss. And so, therefore, I think healthy nutrition. No two ways around it. Yes, in the long run, in the short run, in the middle run, needs to be part of it. But I don't think yeah. that, for example, the, where I was uh, after literally what, 10, 15 years of heavy drinking, my body was depleted. Now, mm-hmm. let's, let's, I, if you don't believe me there, let's take another uh, typical period of depletion. And could you imagine that you suddenly want to grow four kilogram of baby in your body? And can you imagine the kind of pressure that puts onto the system called mummy? And can you imagine how many women end up after their pregnancy? You wrote a beautiful article about postnatal depletion. Can we mm-hmm. can we take that a bit apart and and and, yeah. and share that Absolutely. a bit with people out there? Yeah, people don't you know, realize that that. That actually, <laughs> I get told off saying this. I'm going to say it anyway. I get told off by my marketing team that that having a baby is like having a parasite with no regard for its host. Um, which I know that's a little harsh, but but basically, um, this is why you know babies will usually come out with ten fingers and ten toes is because they take whatever nutrients they need from the mum. Yeah. And so what then that means is that then the mum's coming out of this with heavily depleted resources. She's then in a high stress situation. She's breastfeeding. She's sleep deprived. And, you know, it's, it's a recipe for poor mental health when you start looking at postnatal depression. And so there's a number of, number, number of studies actually running, actually big study at the moment running in New Zealand where they're looking to, um, to, to help mood through supplementing mother through pregnancy. So basically, you know, at the end of the day, it's about having the nutrients we need to run the biochemistry um, of this vehicle, the body. And, um, you know, when you start looking at mental health, you know, for example, the production of serotonin is zinc dependent, it's B6 dependent, it's vitamin C dependent. And, and so if you start, if you get deficient in any one of those three, you're going to start getting a rate imitation of serotonin production within the brain, um, let alone the systemic effects throughout our whole body. So um, really, really important is, is for, for mothers to, to prepare for pregnancy through nutrition and, and even through the pregnancy supporting their body through nutrition. Interestingly, um, a lot of traditional cultures, there'd be certain foods that mothers would have to eat before they get pregnant in order to have them be healthy and have a healthy pregnancy. And these would be foods that, you know, in the modern world, we'd turn our noses up, things like, liver um in in maridum um they would you know have have to eat kina um and so there's uh, you know, certain foods that were very nutrient dense yeah. uh that that the mothers used to have to eat 
um, in order, you know, before they're allowed to get pregnant. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know that. There you go. And that makes perfect sense. But would that not be interesting to see the outcome of these studies and then compare them with historical data to see, well, now that we have actually helped the nutrition of pregnant women and then probably breastfeeding women, how mm-hmm. is that then affecting the incidence of postnatal depression or the, the, yeah. the baby blues? You know, how is it, yeah. uh, you know, if you, if you then were to go a bit more into, into psychometric testing and, and more advanced yeah. testing, if you had the money for the study, would that not be interesting to see what, how baby brain actually is altered in mummies yeah. when you suddenly actually give them what they body actually needs that sounds yeah. weird isn't it once you give the body yeah. what the body needs could you imagine that you feel better than maybe in this kind of constant haze there that is contributed from yeah. lack of sleeping uh, but also probably from severe malnutrition in certain substances and so i think stefan yeah yeah for me you've hit the nail on the head there with with needs um and so for me whenever i look at mental health in any way um it's it's like what's the unmet need and and you know, obviously the unmet need can be nutritional you know biochemical emotional um you know there's a lot of potential unmet needs we could have there um but i think that that's and so for me my tool is obviously nutritional is making sure that those nutritional needs are met so true when i know that you have been researching specifically anxiety in recent mm-hmm. months um, yeah. Tell me a bit more about that, because you had been recruiting patients. Is that study yeah. is that study still ongoing? Unfortunately, due to COVID, we had to stop it. So because um, of of the ability to to do blood testing and stuff like that, um, oh, of we, course, we, it's currently currently uh, yeah. Actually, COVID kind of destroyed the whole trial, um, and so I'm now currently looking at how I'm going to go about resetting it up, and then also if worried about the risk of, of a future lockdown because that would just shut it down again so at the moment the, the trial's on hold but yeah we were we were basically looking to treat and i, I can say treat because we we're using dosages that are considered a medication so we're using zinc and b6 at, at, at much higher dosages than you could perhaps buy at say the pharmacist um we were looking to treat anxiety with zinc and b6 there's a lot of very very strong research um to support um support this treatment and then i was looking at a urine metabolite so it's a molecule within urine that theoretically binds zinc and b6 and so for people who have more of this molecule they tend to excrete more uh, zinc and b6 via the urine and uh, which then leaves them depleted which then leaves them with a greater propensity for mental health disorders including anxiety so we were we were kind of trying to um yeah, and, and the results actually were, were very promising as we were going through, but unfortunately, we don't have enough data for statistical yeah. analysis yeah. at this stage. Yeah. And here again, let's, let's take the example of zinc. Uh, it is so important that you don't just parrot one opinion or state one little fact. For example, here with with what you have just described to me, there are some people within our society who literally need so much more zinc than others just Mm. because of the way that they pee the zinc out. 
So that's yeah. really, really important because if you were just to look at at the books and you were look at zinc, well, they are, if you just were to say, well, zinc is such an important thing, why don't I take zinc now for the rest of my life in high doses? Must be good for me. Mm-hmm. Well. Turns out it is not because it has yeah. to do with us boys and the prostate. Because down there, unfortunately, there, there was a link with regards to the prostate hyperplasy and, and prostate cancer. So therefore, high dose zinc for a long, 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 long time, i.e. the rest of your life from me, uh, is probably not so clever. So you can't just say, oh, no, 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 you can't take zinc. Um, because there is a link with potentially prostates, um, you can't say, oh, no, 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 you need to take zinc. Um, so it is, it is, there is no real easy answer. So if you guys, if you just want to have some take home message, which you then have in a nice little square and try to put it into your drawer there. Yeah, no, unfortunately it doesn't work like that. Um, it is so much more complicated but in a good way complicated, okay? So I think, so what I guess I uh, don't, wanna, don't wanna scare you guys, but I, I say that this is like a big supercomputer, okay? So just as much as your brain is one, I often say that for our brain, great supercomputer, no one has ever given you the manual. And so you're tapping a bit around and see what happens with our emotions and with our responses, et cetera. Uh, Wouldn't it be good if you actually have someone who could help you a bit with that computer? Maybe a psychologist, a a health coach, a, a, you know, people who who have done it for a living kind of thing. Uh, Probably they they are a bit ahead of you in the curve and maybe you can speed up your learning if you were to work with such a person. So that's with regards to your behavior, your, your habits, etc. Now, could you imagine that the same could be true when it comes to nutrition? There is so much going on out there. Um, yes, of course, you can go out there and just go by the, the basics and from now on eat as healthy as you can and as many colors as you can uh, in your food. That is all. That's, that's a good idea. That's a great start but maybe it might actually be a really good idea to sit down, start off with your GP, with your family physician, if you're in in Americas, um, and actually say, hey, look, can we actually just have a chat and see where we are at? These are the problems I've got. Depression, alcohol, um, healthcare things. So let your GP actually do the basics to start off with and rule out those things that really need medications, that really need to be addressed. I mean, that would be a really, really good idea. If you haven't got a GP or a family physician, start with that. That's probably a really good baseline. So with that, you we, we rule out the really silly, nasty things. Okay. But then once yeah. you have done that, then maybe someone like Ben might actually be a really good wingman to guide you for... You know, a fortnight, a month, three months, six months to actually to help you figure out what the hell is going on. Because it might not be so easy and straightforward for you to suddenly go from zero or a little bit of knowledge to, oh, I know exactly how I do my nutrition now. That's probably quite a learning curve. How do you feel about that, Ben? I mean, it is um, uh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, 
um, I, I've kind of got a, like a, a base recipe for people. And, and so um, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of pe- people taking high doses of individual nutrients long-term, mm-hmm. like you've pointed out. But I do think having like a maintenance level to top up a good diet is important. Mm-hmm. Um, just broad spectrum, getting every, you know, all of these little nutrients at, at medium levels just to make sure we have enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I recommend people taking a, a good diet and then um, a high-quality multivitamin. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of multivitamins out there that, that – that just are simply a waste of money because they're putting very poor forms in. And so buy the best multivitamin you can buy, buy the, buy the, the best fish oil you can buy. Um, and, and taking those two things alone, um, actually research shows very, very beneficial for a whole bunch of mental health, et cetera. Um, and so that's my base recommendation. And if people have got more specific problems, then obviously we can help clinically. And we, we've got a, a virtual clinic that's based in Auckland, but, but we can help anybody in New Zealand and Australia actually through that clinic. And, and, and so then perhaps get in touch and we can see how we may be able to help. And I think that's really, really, really important. It is, I can only say from my own experience and those experiences of people who I've, I've sent you away, um, there, for me and for many others, it was as if someone switches the light on. So you don't recognize that a pain is gone for a little while. It suddenly hit me one day when I was walking happily along and I realized there was actually no pain in my Achilles. And, but you don't, you don't recognize that what I did recognize was this kind of energy this abundance of energy when suddenly I felt really good. So it was literally as nice. someone switches the lights on. And that is that is something that I want you guys to get excited about because that's what happened to me and that's what happened to virtually everyone uh, who, who went the same path. So therefore, please go out there. The other thing that we have not actually mentioned specifically to New Zealand, unfortunately, our soil here is deficient in certain things like the selenium, the zinc, etc. Mm-hmm. And there, it may very well be that in other parts of the world, wherever you are, that you have got your own problems that you might not be so aware of. And again, a nutritionist in your area might actually know exactly, hey, look, you need X, Y, and Z yeah. to really work uh, on an on a, on a even functional level just because of our soil in our area is has this and this problem. So it's really quite good. So whilst we are talking specifically here for New Zealand, we many things will be applicable to all over the world, but there will be certain, um, certain nuances that where it is important that you really talk to your people there. Um, so yes, it's, it's of course with Zoom and with, with things like that, it is possible to make appointments with someone in California or in somewhere in Russia, whoever. It, it is possible. Um, most of the time it, is, it works out well, but sometimes it is really quite good to stay where you are, um, see first with your own resources, get the inside knowledge there, and then work from there. But yeah, so you're saying New Zealand and Australia. Uh, would you take overseas client clients? No, we don't. We don't. Yeah, we don't um, at this stage. Uh, yeah, we. It's it's logistically just too difficult. Um, and so, obviously, yeah, 
um, we were very much known for gut issues uh, and and kind of mental health and hormones as sort of I guess the three areas that that we are uh, yeah really well known for uh, and so it just so happens we we do get a lot of overseas inquiries but yeah unfortunately that's mm. that's fine. Mm. So no, that's brilliant. And today I've I've, I've focused really on on the gut in its in its general terms and the effect of alcohol um, onto the gut, onto the, the, the nutrition and vice versa, the uh, reciprocal um, effect of the nutrition on, on our emotions. But mm. we could spend just as much time uh, talking about the hormones of women's and of women and uh, how yeah. the nutrition and mood swings, nutrition and anxiety, et cetera, Absolutely. how they all work together. And I think that that might very well be actually another talk, which the two of us should actually should actually plan ahead. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. goodness. Sounds good. <laughs> we might even, yeah, well, there's, I might actually. There's a, few, there's a few topics, eh? Oh, hell yes, hell yes. And it is. it just shows how fundamentally important the nutrition is and how we so fundamentally fundamentally stuff it up in our modern day society to eat on the run the fast food the the packaged food the, the super processed food ah it's if you add it all together it's amazing what we shove into our mouth and expect us to somehow fulfill our needs and it's just yeah. the moment you actually just look at it from that angle you just have to say Boy, are we nuts? <laughs> are we? Just... Yeah, we've come a long way. We've come a long way away from what we used to eat, and unfortunately, our genetics and biology and evolution hasn't moved that far, uh, and hasn't kind of caught up yet. And so, yeah, if certainly if we can meet some of those needs with nutrition, well, you know, I think most people will find that they their experience of life is a little better. So much so. So, Ben, if, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they go about mm -hmm. it? What is the best way? Yeah, best way is um, obviously social media channels, uh, Instagram, Facebook, it's Be Pure Ben Warren. You can go to www.bepure.co.nz. -E, uh, um, yeah, and uh, drop us a line. And yeah, we, we, you know, there's nothing that we like to do more than to uh, help people with their health journey. And so, yeah, if, if you'd like help with your health journey, uh, with, with, with primarily obviously nutrition's our tool, um, yeah, please get in touch. Hmm. And guys, I can only speak highest of, of Ben and his team, highly professional, highly efficient. And uh, they started me on a, on a journey that I didn't think uh, I didn't think how far it would get me, how far it would take me. It was just amazing. And the journey doesn't stop because my journey will, will change. With, with advancing age, there will be new challenges coming along. There will be new, new things will happen. Uh, so guys, go out there, start this journey, make the little micro habits, get the basics right, but then talk to someone like Ben and, and start living. This is your life. You've got one chance. You know, it's yes, it could be that there is another life after this one. 
I'm not sure. I don't know. Do you? Well, you might as well take this life and make really the best out of it. You've got every day, you have got uh, how many seconds? 86,000 seconds, something like that. Every second you can make a choice. Uh, some choices might not be so great, but if on balance you sort of throw in more good choices, you have no idea about the compound interest that will happen. These little micro habits suddenly will add up and multiply themselves and it's going nuts. And you suddenly you, you look back and think, wow, where's this new life coming from? Where's this new energy coming from? It's all waiting for you guys out there. So go, take the bull by its horns, go out there, live, have a passion. Oh, it's a beautiful life. Go out there, have fun, and have fun with some damn good nutrition. <laughs> ben, thank you Sounds so, good. so much for coming on to my show. You are such a You're great welcome, force in, in, uh, of nature here as far as nutrition goes. And I want to see more of you. Hopefully COVID is soon calming down, and then, then we can see you again on, on your road shows. Which are yeah, we'll see just, how we go. Well, we'll see exactly, how we go, my friend. Exactly, <laughs> but and, and you're quite right. Uh, but and again, are you planning to do actually some lectures via Zoom and in such a way that um, that people can tap in? Yeah, at the moment, it's just you know, really supporting our community a lot through social media channels. Yeah, and so probably you know that's probably the best way. We've got a lot of a lot you know, YouTube channel as well. Mm. We have a, a number of. Um, kind of seminar lectures available to view online as well. So, um, yeah, I think we, we, we've probably got enough material at the moment to keep people busy. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and then we'll, 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 mm. we'll see what's next for the yeah. BPO story. And I'm certainly subscribed to his Instagram and, and to his uh, social media. There's constantly something new coming in, some yummy recipes, some Lots insight here. That's right. Guys, just look him up. It is, it is just a beautiful journey. Uh, even if you're not yet there, not yet 100% convinced, you could do far worse of seeing something yummy and think, ooh, I'll try that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's one micro habit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys out there, look after yourselves. Hey, it was great for you to jo join us here today. And Ben, to you, thank you so much. Look thanks, after yourselves. Thanks, and thanks to all your viewers. Thanks, thank I appreciate you very it. Much. Bye. All the best. Cheers.